Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me in your Bible to Philippians chapter 1. This is one of the verses we were looking at last week. I introduced uh, these scriptures, but I want to go over some of the foundational scriptures we mentioned and go a little bit further. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Have you found Philippians 1 verse 6? Paul said, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The day of Jesus Christ is referring to the day of his appearing. There is coming a day when the Lord Jesus Christ will descend from heaven with a shout. Not with a whimper, with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise and we who are alive and remain Oh, glory to God, we'll be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, we're gonna be changed and we're gonna be caught up. Glory to God. I've said this many times before. If Jesus can come back for his church with a shout, we ought to be looking forward to him coming with a shout. (laughs) I mean, we ought ought to be the ones to really shout. We're, We're getting the better part of this deal. You understand that? Amen. Well, up until the time he comes, God is still working on you and me. Isn't that good news? Amen. He said, being confident of this very thing. This is very emphatic language. Being confident of this very thing, this particular thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And the word complete there in the Greek is in the continual present tense action. It's something he's doing, he's doing now and when you wake up tomorrow, he's doing it and you wake up next week, he's, do, he's still doing it. It's a continuous ongoing present tense action. He is continuing to complete what he started in you. Hallelujah. Well, what is that good work that he started? Well, it's not the new birth. We pointed out that last week because the new birth isn't something that he began. You didn't begin to get born again. Paul said, if any man is in Christ, he is the work, one translation says, he is the work of a new creation. Old things, he didn't say old things are passing away and gradually new things are coming in to replace. That's not what he said. He said old things, gone. New things have arrived, glory to God. So the new birth is something that happens in a moment, in an instant. But there are other things pertaining to our salvation. Salvation is very much an ongoing proposition. It's very much a, a process. Glory to God. There's hope for you. you take, take, take cheer. There's hope for you. Praise God. Amen. And for me too. The new birth is the salvation of the spirit of man. And it's instantaneous. 
The salvation of the soul and body is progressive. It takes time. Amen. The Amplified Translation here, verse 6, says, I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return. Now listen, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Friend, God is working with you. He's working on you. He's working with you. He's working in you. He's working for you. God, you have, God is not finished with you. Glory to God. It's not finished with me. I know you're glad to hear that. Amen. Then we looked, up, we looked over in Hebrews chapter 13. Actually, we, we, we uh, tried to look at in chapter 12. I had the wrong reference written down. In chapter 13... Verse 20, it says, Now may the God of peace, who, I tell you what, this one verse in verse 20, I, I got to meditating on this uh, day before yesterday, and I thought, man, you could preach like four different sermons right here out of, this one, out of this one verse. Now may the God of peace, we could stop right there and have camp meeting. He is the God of peace. Oh, thank God I have peace with God. I have the peace of God. I have the peace that passes all understanding. Like our banner says out over the door, have no fear, just believe God. He gives great peace. He is the God of all peace. Glory to God. Now may the God of peace, who did this little insignificant thing as raising our Lord Jesus from the dead. Woo, glory to God. When things look dead, just remember who came from the dead. When things look like there's no hope, just look like just look at the person who brought hope back into reality when he was raised from the dead. When they said it was over, washed up, finished, couldn't go on any further. It was over. The dream was over. Oh, glory to God. On Easter morning, he arose from the dead, praise God, and turned everybody's life upside down. Woo, hallelujah. Sermon number two. Number three, that, there's five of them actually. That great shepherd of the sheep. We think of the shepherd, oftentimes we think of the pastor. The pastor's a shepherd. I'm an under shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's, the, he's a great shepherd. Oh, glory to God. He is the Lord, our great shepherd, and because of him we shall never lack. Glory to God. He's the great shepherd in the New Testament. He's called the good shepherd. He said that himself. He said, I am the good shepherd. Hallelujah. He's the good shepherd, the great shepherd. He is the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Hallelujah. We could just preach all day long on the shepherd. Hallelujah. Was that number three? Yeah. Through the blood. Let's stop right there. There's another sermon. Through the blood, through the blood, through the blood, through the blood. Oh, glory to God. The blood of Jesus has washed us, has freed us, has changed us. Glory to God. We were talking this morning about having been been bound, but now we're free. It's the blood that freed us. Glory to God. We were washed. We were sanctified. We were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and through the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The blood of the everlasting covenant. We have a covenant with God 
that no man can break. I said, we have a covenant with God that no man can break. You can't break it. I can't break the covenant. I don't care how far I miss it. I don't, if, if I was to get into rebellion and just reject God, I still couldn't break the covenant because God the Father entered into covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the blood of Jesus that ratified the covenant. The covenant is between the Father and the Son and no man will ever be able to break that covenant. It is an everlasting covenant. And because we're in Christ, because we're in Christ, for if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise of the covenant. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. There's nothing that can happen in this life that will break his everlasting covenant with you that he made through Jesus Christ. He made a covenant, he entered into covenant with us through Christ. Hallelujah. The Bible says because he could swear by no one greater because of the immutability, oh, glory to God. He swore by himself. Oh, hallelujah. I tell you what, we have a covenant with God. I can face 2021 just like I faced 2020 and all the years before it with absolute confidence in my covenant keeping God. I know what belongs to me. I know what's mine. I will walk in what I have. I will enjoy what God has given me. I will walk in all of the blessing of God because I have a covenant glory to God and nobody can change it. Glory to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. My goodness. Hallelujah. Let me go back to the rest of that. What was I preaching about? Praise God. <laughs> Actually, it was the next verse I wanted to get to. But that was a nice stirrer-upper, wasn't it? <laughs> Glory to God. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, so does he have your attention? Who, 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 do we understand who we're talking about now? Amen. Glory to God. May he make you complete in every good work to do his will. Notice it didn't say he will make you do his will. He said he will make you complete in order that you may do his good will. He will make you complete, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Do you give me just a minute and let me look this up in the the, uh, amplified version? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. He said he will strengthen, complete and perfect and make you what you ought to be 
and equip you with everything good that you may carry out his will while he himself works in you and accomplishes that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to whom be the glory forever and ever to the ages of the ages, amen, so be it. Says God will strengthen, complete and perfect and make you what you ought to be and equip you with everything good that you may carry out his will. He will make you what you ought to be and equip you with everything good that you may carry out his will while he himself works in you and accomplishes that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at that and you don't read it real carefully, it sounds like he's gonna do everything. But he's not gonna do everything. Only God can make you what you ought to be. But only you can do what you ought to do. (laughs) Amen. There's God's part, but there's our part. We have something to say. He said that he would equip us with everything good so that we may carry out his will while he's working in us, while he's continuing to, to perfect those things in our lives. Glory to God. So there's God's part and then there's our part. Go back to Philippians again and go to chapter two. We have another verse that brings out something similar. Same kind of thought. Philippians chapter two. Thank you, Lord. And look at verse number 12. Therefore, my beloved, I know we looked at these scriptures last week, but they bear repeating. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. <laughs> okay, Lord. Therefore, beloved, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in in my absence. It's more important what you do when you leave here than what you do when you're here. It's more important that you do out there what you amen in here. (laughs) In my presence is one thing, but when my absence is something else. It's when we leave here where that's that's when our, our doing really matters. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. (laughs) He said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The fear and trembling part simply means with great reverence, great soberness, great seriousness. But work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. Weist, Kenneth Weist, the author of Word Studies in the Greek New Testament, wrote this. He said, this word work out means to carry out to the goal, to carry to its ultimate conclusion. I'm quoting Weist here. He said, we say the student worked out a problem in algebra. That is, he carried the problem to its ultimate conclusion. 
We are to carry out our salvation to its ultimate conclusion. That is Christ-likeness, maturity. We're to carry it out. Well, he said in Hebrews 13 that he would equip us. He would equip us. We talked last week about how our equipment grows greater and our, and our proficiency grows greater the more we use what we have. I illustrated a hammer when I was a little boy. I had one of these little tiny you know, wooden hammers. I don't remember it, but I'm sure I did. And uh, it seems like all children have these little toys they get, you know, and, and particularly little boys, you know, they get little tool sets and they got these little hammers. For some reason, my, life, my wife likes those small, almost toy hammers for putting tacks in the wall. So we still have one in the little tool thing in our, in our kitchen. And it's a wooden hammer about this long, you know, it's got, you know, a, a kind of a real light metal head, but it's nice for tapping, you know, little things in, in, the, in, the, in the wall if she's putting up a picture or something. But, you know, you, you wouldn't want to build a house with that. <laughs> you wouldn't want to frame up your garage using hammers like that, would you? Or little plastic saws? <laughs> no, you're going to need better tools. Well, you, 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 on the other hand, you don't want to put a, a, a claw hammer, a 16-ounce claw hammer, in the hands of a three-year-old. I mean, except with very careful supervision. You're certainly not going to give him a, 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 two, a two-year-old or three-year-old a claw hammer and send him to his bedroom to play. Isn't that right? No. God equips us, but we use the tools that he gives us, and he, we will get greater tools. We will achieve, we will grow in our ability. The reason some people aren't more proficient in the things of God is because they don't use what they have. Put it this way. They don't act on the revelation they receive and actually put it into practice. Listen, I'm not opposed to to people hollering amen. That's That's like saying sick them to a dog. When people say amen and praise the Lord and get excited, that helps a preacher. But amening isn't the same thing as going out and actually doing what you were excited about yesterday in church. Amen. Remembering, remembering the word that was preached to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Work out your own salvation. We, we looked at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at it again. As newborn babes, newborns, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You know, that's all newborn babes can handle in the natural is milk. Isn't that right? A a newborn child, little baby, you're not going to give them solid food because they can't handle it. But all of the nourishment they need is contained in the milk. Feed them the milk and they will grow. But there comes a time when you need more than milk. A baby has to transition from all milk and to begin to take on some other. That doesn't mean the baby stops drinking milk or the toddler stops drinking milk. I'm 68 years old. I still drink milk every day. I have milk every day and it does nourish me. But I could, I could not live by milk alone. Amen. 
So if you're going to go to maturity, you have to do, have more than just a milk diet. And that's what was wrong with the, with the, uh, uh, the people there at Corinth. He said, I fed you with milk instead of solid food because you weren't able to eat solid food. Why? They hadn't used it. They hadn't even profited from the milk because they were carnal. Well, amen. Staying with just the light diet of the word, just a milk diet. And really, even if you... Even if meat is presented on Sunday morning, even if meat is presented, if you don't take it and apply it, you haven't eaten it. Hearing it is not how it gets down on the inside of you. It's hearing it and digesting it, pondering it meditating on. That's what feeds the word down into your inward man. It's not just, you know, and, and that's quite obvious because some people come to church and they grow strong in God and, and become victorious and you sold, you know, I, I just, that, that person, you know, have been coming to church for three years and look what God's done in their life. And you look at somebody else been coming 30 years and, and this person has passed them up. Why is that? Because They heard the word, but they didn't act on it. They didn't really let it get down. They didn't feed on it. Meditation in the word of God is what feeds it down into your inward man. And when that revelation comes, then you begin to put it into practice. Then you prove it. You prove God's word. You prove him. Oh, hallelujah. My wife and I have proven God to be faithful over and over and over where, where we on purpose in the, in the face of circumstances, we are going to stand on God's word. We're gonna believe this is true and, and we're not changing and God proven, he has proven himself and we proved him faithful. Amen. By applying the word and we grow that way, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Go to, uh, praise the Lord. We'll, we'll skip that. We don't, we don't need to get that one just yet. Hallelujah. Yeah, go with me to, we will look at this one. You're in Peter there. Turn back to James, the first chapter of James. Amen. Praise God. James chapter one, and and I know you know this verse, but verse 21, it says, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, James wasn't talking to sinners. Look at verse number two, my brethren. He's writing to brethren. So he's writing to born again Christians. And he would have to tell born again Christians to lay aside filthiness and wickedness. If that amazes you, you haven't pastored. (laughs) Well, glory, that was pleasant, wasn't it? (laughs) Didn't that make you feel good? 
praise the Lord, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. See, I, I grew up, <laughs> I grew up in a holiness environment. The Pentecostal church that I belonged to and grew up in, we were, we were uh, also a holiness church. We believed in holiness. But we had external holiness that was reflected in the way we dressed and outward things. But I'm telling you, sometimes we had, we had, we had some of the meanest spirited people. Religion can be real ugly. It can be hateful. The Bible says that we're to serve the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holiness is beautiful. Religion is not. <laughs> Religion is not beautiful at all. And so there was a lot of filthy attitudes. Come on now. And, and that was way back then, and this is today, and not a lot's changed. <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor for that great compliment. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Amen. It is. <laughs> Thank you for that one supporter over there. Amen. He said, receive with meekness, meekness, teachableness, the implanted word which is able to save your soul. I remember when this, this passage was first pointed out to me. It was first pointed out to me that here were Christians and yet their souls weren't saved. See, because uh, most, people, most people have a very shallow grasp on Bible truth, most Christians. When it comes to doctrine, actual uh, doctrine, of what the Bible actually teaches. Do you realize that very little of that comes from the pulpit in most churches? Because most churches are preachers. I meant most churches. Most pastors are preachers. And preachers don't get into a lot of depth. They just, they preach messages that stir people up. You know, get them excited about a, about a simple truth. That's, that's what preaching does. And I love preaching. Preaching stirs people up and, and, and moves them to action. And we ought to be excited about the Bible. But most pastors in most denominations, the, the preachers preach, that is if they, if they deal with the Bible at all. We know a lot of denominations, they get up and talk about, you know, this or that and the other and they read poems and all kinds of stuff, you know. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you preach the word. Most churches from the pulpit are fed preaching and t most teaching comes from the Sunday school class. Most teaching of doctrine in churches come in the, in the form of Sunday school teaching. Now, I'm not opposed to that. We've never, we've never felt the need to do that because I teach. But in the Sunday school classes, here's how it worked in my denomination and, I'm, and it works in most denominations the same way. Lay people are given a book the teachers are given a denominational book and they're given about four or five pages of that, that morning Sunday school lesson. And a lot of times it will be about a Bible story about Samson or about 
you know, some other Bible figure. They'll bring it over and make an application to the New Testament or it'll be some, you know, teaching from the New Testament. But it's not very deep. It's not very deep. These are, these are lay people, most, more, more often than not, don't really have, a, you know, an anointing to teach the Bible. They're just teaching like anybody can. What I'm saying is most doctrine is light. So when you get into things that are a little bit deeper, it, it, you say things and it, and it causes people that have, all they've ever heard is light and, you know, light treatment of the word. They can get offended. They think you're preaching false doctrine. And so I kind of had that reaction the first time somebody pointed out to that here were born again people and their souls weren't saved. I thought, what are you talking about? Their souls aren't saved. I thought that's what happens when you come to Christ. You get your soul saved. No, you get your spirit recreated. But these were believers whose souls were not yet saved. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. The saving of the soul is a process. Glory. We have to use the word in two fundamental ways in our life. And that's in the flesh, with the flesh and with the mind. The flesh and the mind. Go with me to uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And this really is where Christian living, uh, this is where the, the rubber meets the road as the expression goes. For Christian living is right here in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, even the presenting of your body, and I've talked uh, quite a bit about that in recent times, that these are your, your body and your mind are the two areas where God expects us to do something, you and me to do something. He will work in us everything that's good for his good pleasure. But like I said, only he can make us what we ought to be, but only we can do what we ought to do. And when it comes to to our growth and our maturity in Christ, there are two areas we have to focus on. And if you don't focus on them, they will beat you. I said, if you, don't, if you don't discipline your flesh, it will run over you. If you, don't discipline, it will, if you don't discipline your flesh and take authority over it, it will run over you. The apostle Paul said it this way. He said, I discipline my body and bring it into submission. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The apostle Paul said that he had to discipline his body and bring it into subjection, submission to his own inward man. I discipline my body. So his body wasn't him. You could see he had a a concept of his identity outside of his body. He said, I bring my body into submission lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Well, we don't want that to happen, do we? Amen. So we do something with our body. And if we don't deal with the flesh and deal with the mind, the process of salvation won't go any further than your spirit. And like I said, you'll be a carnal Christian. 
And carnal Christians are a mess. Carnal Christians, and you know them, you know carnal Christians. Carnal Christians have too much of God in their life to really enjoy the world. They really can't enjoy the things of the world like the world does because they know God. But they have too much of the world in them to really enjoy the things of God. So they have too much of God to enjoy the things of the world, but they have too much of, of, of the world to really enjoy the things of God. They come to church, they're not happy here. They're not happy out there and they're not happy in here. They're not happy anywhere because they're constantly under condemnation. That's a terrible way to live. Choose. Joshua was told, choose this day who you will serve. Get off the fence Make up your mind, I'm going all for God and I'm gonna deal with my body and I'm gonna deal with my mind so that I'm not cast away, glory to God, amen. Now this requires a decision. The Amplified Bible here in verse one says to make a decisive dedication of your body. Make a decisive dedication of your body. Oh, glory to God. What time did I start? I'm, I'm looking up here. It says 33 minutes. We better stop. It's, two, it's 1210. Glory to God. I'm, I preached on other stuff before I got talking about this. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. There's time for this next time. Amen. That's what I love about pastoring. We just unhook and come back. I'll just leave you with that last thought. Carnal Christians have too much of God to really enjoy the things of the world and too much of the world to really enjoy the things of God. <laughs> Amen. Well, the, the, uh, the, the answer to that would be don't do that. Just don't do that. I heard Lester Summerall one time, you know, he, he was, you know, he was, Lester Summerall was a powerful apostle. I mean, he, he did some tremendous things around the world. Miracles, he was a strong, I mean, no nonsense guy, but his messages sometimes were so simple. You'd go, really? Is that it? I heard him preach one time and basically he, he, he said it about six different ways, but he, his, his message was just do right. <laughs> just do right. I'm thinking, well, could you flesh that out a little bit, you know? But he said it so powerfully. I mean, he just had people up and jumping and, you know, shout. Just, I think, I think he said, try to do the right thing. I think that's what he said. Just try to do the right thing. Well, we need to, we need to get off the fence. And not try, but actually actually put your whole stock in the things of God. So that the things of God more, matter more to you than anything in life. Oh, glory to God. Well, it's possible. It's our inheritance. It's what he wants. So try to do right. <laughs> no, I know you know better than that. Glory to God. We don't just have to try. We'll do it. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.